What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Hallelujah. Won't you stand with me, open your Bibles, go over to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, we've been talking about something that I think we all need a lot of, a lot more of, and that's joy. And we get joy when we hear testimonies of what God's doing in Roger's life and in Don's life and in your life. That That is that is the joy of the Lord. And so we're, we've taken this month uh, to just talk about the joy of the Lord. Really started at Thanksgiving. We just had a service just thanking God, uh, people getting baptized and, and saved and all these things that God is doing. So this whole month we're just talking about joy. And last week was the joy of the Lord. And uh, just to recap a little bit, we talked about how the joy of the Lord is an anchor. And it's different than happiness. Uh, happiness is good. And we, we do things that make us happy. Uh, but it's different from the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord can only come with a relationship with the Lord, right? Uh, but the joy of the Lord is deeper. It's an anchor. It's an anchor we learned last week. That is what Jesus uh, it got him through the cross. He endured the pain of the cross because of the joy that was set before him. See, a lot of times we focus on the event we're going through right now. You're going to get no joy like that. Jesus didn't get any joy by the crucifixion. Those nails hurt him just as much as it would hurt you and me. But the Bible says his joy wasn't in the event. His joy was in the promise of the outcome. Some of you just got that. The joy's never in the event. The joy always comes from the promise of the outcome. And he said he put the joy in front of him. He put the promise of God in front of him that helped him endure the pain of the event. That's worth your gas money right there today for coming out to church. That'll help you. But you can only get that from the Lord. It's not happiness, it's joy. Christmas gifts can give you happiness. Knowing the true reason for the season can give you joy. Now I'm not hating on Santa Claus. But I, I must, I, you know, I love this time of year. I love the Christmas movies. I get into all of them. They remind me when I'm, I'm my childhood, just like everybody else. We kind of have those moments. But uh, don't let Santa steal God's glory in your home. Today we we celebrate. You know, in, in the movies they they get, they get close. They get close. They say this this time of year it's it's all about family. Okay. This time of year it's all about giving. Getting warmer. This time of year is about the best gift ever given in the right. It's given by God to us, His only Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the reason for Christmas. Can I just say that right now? Amen. Because that's the joy. That's why the angel showed up and said, I got good news because I'm bringing you news of great joy. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So it's not happiness. Happiness is not all bad. We were extremely happy. Like I said, sports can bring us happiness. We got really happy last week for the win at the last second of the last game. Amen. Miracles do happen even at Ford Field. So anyway, they, that, that happens. But that's happiness, right? It's different than joy. Let's read this together. One verse, Isaiah 61, verse 3. I do have it on the screen today on, in the NIV. Uh, I usually read out of the New King James, but it's on the screen today out of because I like the NIV on this particular uh, scripture. And he says, this is uh, the NIV in Isaiah 61.3, To comfort those who mourn 
for those who grieve in Zion. Zion is symbolic to the place of God's people. Zion. That's like church. That's Zion. So he's talking about Christians here who are grieving because the joy of the Lord can only be found in a relationship with the Lord. So those that are in Zion who have a relationship with the Lord, he wants to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. I want to talk to you today about the oil of gladness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, God, that you continue to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and grab a seat. I love this scripture. This scripture has brought so many, um, so much comfort to many uh, of people throughout the years. This scripture right here. There are 159 verses in the Bible about joy, but there's only two uh, that have the oil of gladness in it. We're going to look at both of them today. The oil of gladness, it's joy. It's the same thing. But it's specifically uh, mentioned that it's given by God to us when we're going through a season of grieving or mourning. That's what the oil of gladness is. It's it's given to us. It's it's not happiness, but again, it's that inner peace, that inner ability to have that delight on the inside that we can have right in the middle of a season of grieving, in the middle of a season of of sorrow and sadness. He said, I'm going to give my people who are in Zion, I'm going to give them the oil of gladness. I'm going to take their ashes. You may be knee deep into ashes right now. And the ashes can represent anything from a marriage to a job, to a vision, to a dream, something, a goal, something that you had a relationship and it didn't work out and and someone it feels like they pulled the rug out from underneath you and you're down on your knees and you're trying to make sense of life and you're in a season of sorrow and you're in ashes well God said I've got some good news for you today I'm going to give you beauty for those ashes and an oil of gladness for your mourning and a spirit of praise for that spirit of heaviness isn't that good isn't that good A garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. There's that spirit of heaviness again. Remember that? Last week we talked about in the last days and in the days we are living in, there's going to be a spirit of heaviness really uh, that we will feel. In, in the people of God and on earth today. So this, this oil of gladness, and it's given to us when we're going through uh, a season of tr- um, tr- uh, sorrow and grieving. I was reminded of Psalms 23. We love that psalm. It's a, you know, we, we most famous psalm ever. So I went over there and I, another verse stepped out, popped out to me that I haven't caught before. You know that the, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he maketh me lie down next to still waters. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of... These are heavy words that King David is saying. He says, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, how many ever been there? This is a situation that our brother Don is fighting. This is where Roger's been fighting uh, for the last 18 months. This is, this is real life right here. King David went through those times. And I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't hide those. It, it doesn't just paint this picture that everything is going to be roses when you serve God. No, you're going to go through some valleys. You're going to go through some valleys of the shadow of death. 
In fact, Paul said this, I say this to warn you that all of us who live godly will suffer in Christ Jesus. <laughs> You're going to suffer somehow. I mean, life is broken. This world is broken. We are going to go through those times. But I love what David said in Psalm 23. He said, I don't have to walk through those valleys all by myself. I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me, right? And then look at this verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I've, I've preached this before. Uh, and I want to join it again because every time you read it, I love the Bible. It says something new every time you read it. And then this time, this time it popped out on me. He says, you will anoint my head with oil. What's he talking about? You had two kinds of oil in the Bible. You had the priestly oil and then you have this oil of gladness. This is not a priestly oil. This is the latter. This is the oil of gladness. David is saying, I can make it through the valley of the shadow of death because you are anointing me with the oil of gladness. Surely mercy and, and happiness or shall follow me all the day. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can make it through this season, God, because you've anointed me with gladness. You've anointed me with the oil of gladness. Sorrow may come in the night, but joy can come in the morning. Come on, somebody. That's the oil of gladness. That's what I'm talking about. That's what this has given to us. So no matter what the holiday season may mean to you, maybe it is a season of you know, pain and, and some things that are not real joyful. I'm telling you today that God can give you the oil of gladness to make it through. Tragedy, the loss of a loved one. That's a big one. That's really where this comes into play. I probably said this scripture, I don't know how many times at funerals. Uh, and it is, it is so true and it brings comfort because that's probably the most serious loss there is, is when you lose a loved one. But he says here that He's going to give us the oil of gladness. The Christian people, Christians are the only people on planet earth that can grieve and rejoice at the same time. We're the only people that can do that. Because we have the oil of gladness. Because we have a promise. The Bible says it like this. We don't have to sorrow like those who have no hope. But we can grieve knowing that we have hope. That's the oil of gladness. When we make it through those seasons, he's going to help us get through because he's given us the oil of gladness. Amen. That's what it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. It's the ability to get through hard times. No matter how serious they may be, God is going to make a way for him to get through, uh, through those times. I remember I was debating whether or not to tell this story, but maybe somebody needs to hear this. When you talk about losing a loved one, and the first time I ever heard this scripture when I was a kid... Um, we belong, I have a big family, many of you do as well. I have the Markhams on my dad's side, the Pattersons on my mom's side, and they're big, it's a big family. There are pros and cons with big families. <laughs> uh, the pros is, is I, I got so many memories of, of my uncles and my aunts and my cousins. I mean, many of them watch even right now online. Hey Pam, my cousin Pam from Florida. We grew up, we had a great upbringing, cousins always at the house. The house was always full. We were just talking about this the other day, Mom. The house was always full, all of my uncles there. Uh, and just learned so many great things and had some crazy uncles and everything else and life, you know. And uh, But the sad thing about a big family is you also experience a lot of sorrow. A lot of, a lot of funerals. Uh, my first funeral, uh, I was seven years old. When I went to my first funeral, actually I didn't go because it was such a huge uh, tragedy, uh, but I lost my little cousin. 
Uh, she was only three years old, and it's a very sad story. I'm not going to go down that road, but it was an unexpected tragedy that she died. And it shook the family like anything like that does. And I remember we were down at West Virginia at Uncle Billy's house when the news came in. And I was probably seven. We started going to church when I was around six, I think. Right, Dad? So I was probably seven uh, when this news came in because we did have a church uh, knowledge of God because you didn't go to the bar, you, you know, where normally things like that would send the family down a deep road. You guys prayed. And I remember that whole thing, but let me back up. Um, we got the news of that, and yeah, my dad and them begin to pray, and, and I didn't understand as a seven-year-old kid what happened to my cousin. I was just spending, I just spent the night over there a couple of weeks ago, you know, and and uh, trying to take her cereal because she had the good cereal, and uh, and anyway, and then she's gone, and it really hurt me, and I didn't understand, and and uh, I remember we prayed, and the family prayed, and God gave me a dream, and in my dream, I was at one of my friend's house. Her name was Springer. Uh, and we were at her house, and we were jumping off of her porch, something we did in the neighborhood. And in my dream, these two big, beautiful, um, white, uh, bird-like animals, look like doves, but they weren't doves. And it's in my dream, and they come flying down. They were, they were beautiful. They were awesome. And um, they flew down, and my cousin was on the back of one of them. And she got off of it, and it was her, but it wasn't her. And she was in this beautiful dress and she was talking to me and she got off and she walked up to me and she said, uh, Eddie, uh, and I was so happy to see her and I hugged her. I'm seven years old and in my dream I'm talking to her and she gave me a hug and she said, I just want you to know that, that I'm okay. And she says, I want you to know that you're going to see me again. I'm seven years old. And that just blew my mind and I remember telling my aunt, her mom, that seven year old and my aunt Maggie just, broke and the family began to say and they said that is the oil of gladness for your for your season of heaviness that's that's one example of what that is and throughout the years i've never looked at death the same we can get through no matter what that's a heavy one i know that's a heavy one but it, i want you to know that you have a god that will walk with you through the heavy ones that he is there, that he's not like surprised. I don't know who needs to hear this today because I, I, I wasn't going to share that part of the message. We're talking about joy. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm telling you, you can find delight and joy even in tragedy and in sorrow if we know the Lord. Again, can't got to get back to that. So how do you get this oil of gladness? i got three points for you today, this morning. Each one has two words. And we're going to unpack it from, from Isaiah 61. The first one, how you get the oil of gladness? How do you get more of it? Uh, this is a promise of God. And I, I want you to know how you get number one, Holy Spirit. This is how the oil of gladness is comes. It comes through the Holy Spirit. Especially those that may be watching that's unchurched, that maybe you're not a, a, a follower of God. I want you to see the importance of the Holy. Everything comes back to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is that part of God that is in you and me as believers. It's that part of God. It's the Spirit of God that if you are a follower of God, He's in you. You ever see your son or daughter act a certain way and they look just like their uncle or aunt? 
You look at him and go, man, you just look like your uncle when you said that. You have a piece. It's genetics. It's in the DNA. They do look and resemble your loved ones. Well, spiritually speaking, when you and I surrender our hearts to God, he spiritually, genetically, and in our DNA gives us a piece of him. It's called the Holy Spirit. Did I break it down for you? Easy enough to understand. So it's not all whatever you may think. No, it's the part of God that will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Who will give you a spirit of praise for the a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's the spirit of God that does that. It's the spirit of God that will overcome a season of grieving and mourning. No matter how serious it is. It's the Holy Spirit. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. The anointing, when you talk about anointing, when you talk about oil in the Bible, when you read that, those words are symbolic to the Holy Spirit. Oil is the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, 100% of the time, when you, when you read anointing, it always represents the Holy Spirit. Did you read in, in the text there in Isaiah 61? Let me just show you this. I can't help it, but I love this. Look how the whole chapter begins. We read verse 3 together. Now look at verse 1, how, how it begins right there in the very beginning. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Look how it starts off. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has, okay, upon me because. Everybody see that because? This is why you need God. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Right here. He's getting ready to explain to us why we need the Holy Spirit. Someone may be saying, why do we need God? Why do I need, you know, the Holy Spirit? I, I have all these other things. No, no. What we're getting ready to read only comes by the Holy Spirit. This, Jesus' first message was this. He preached from Isaiah 61, his very first message. He quoted this. He's fulfilling this promise. But the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in in you and me. Do you believe that? It is. So, the Holy Spirit is upon me because this is why. Number one, to preach good tidings to the poor. What else are you going to say? If you take God out of the conversation, what are you going to say to a whole class of people that are suffering and that have nothing? What are you going to say to them? Just try harder. (laughs) Take God out of the conversation. Take the Holy Spirit out of it. What are you going to say to the poor? It'll get better. Without God, we have nothing to say to nobody. I want you to see this today. The Holy Spirit is upon me because I got nothing that can help the poor, those that are struggling, those that have no hope, those that are suffering this year. I got nothing to get. I can give you a toy, which is going to bring you happiness, but I got to give you something that will last after Christmas into January, February, and March. And that only comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is upon me because I need Him to give this message to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. How are you going to set people free without Jesus? I say this all the time when I go down to Life Challenge or when I'm in circles like that, talking with people that are dealing with addictions and coming out of that lifestyle. I'm all for seven steps. I'm all for any kind of sobriety. I support that. But this scripture says to totally, to really be free and to be delivered. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God. I've been clean and sober for 24 years now. And here's the difference. This is what I tell them. And I'm loving it. I got friends that's incarcerated in the penitentiary. That's been in jail just as long as I've been serving God. Guess what? They haven't touched drugs or alcohol either. 
for 24 years. They haven't touched one, CJ. They haven't messed around. You can get it in some of the prisons, though, by the way. But anyway, they, they, haven't, they haven't done it either. But are they free? You see the difference here? The Spirit of God is upon alcohol or any other addiction. It may not even be any of that. It could be an addiction for not enough and, and money and being a people pleaser. and re, Whatever your problem is, we can be set free, but it comes through the Holy Spirit. I love that. I love that. I love that. Oh, man, this ain't my message, but I just got to show you this. Because God is so good. He's so good. Why would you not want to serve God? Why would you not want to surrender your life to Jesus? When you can have all of this. When you can have all of this. He says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Okay, that's a warning. You need the Spirit of God to be bold and to warn people. <laughs> because if not, you're just going to be, we're going to be people pleasers. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, and you see people, you say, man, I want to tell you the truth. God loves you, and he loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, from heaven to you to die for you so you can be with him in heaven. That, that is, that's the gospel message right there, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. But we need the spirit of God. He's involved with that as well. And then he says, and then our scripture, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, and then all those other scriptures that we read. I love Galatians. Look at this. I could talk about the Holy Spirit for days. But I love the scripture in Galatians. Look what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Okay, these are the nine fruits of the Spirit. Remember Sunday school? Remember that? And many of us, they read it, we read it, we, we, we made, a, made little cutouts of different fruits. Apples and oranges and squashes and all of that and put it up. And these are the different fruits of the Spirit. But we, that is a powerful scripture. First of all, he says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Do you see that? Without the Holy Spirit, you're going to have happiness, not really joy. You're going to have a little calmness, not true peace. You're going to have no self-control. Come on, somebody. That's a powerful, and it's summed up by self-control. This was my problem when I lived out in the world. No matter how hard I tried to be a good person, no matter how hard I tried not to get nasty and get into the flesh and listen to the, the temptations, no matter how hard I tried, lock myself in and go over there when they had money, when they were partying, I tried all of that, but something inside of me still was wanting it, and I still found a way to send. I had no self-control. Why? I had no Holy Spirit. It's that simple. The Holy Spirit should be producing something in your life today. The Holy Spirit should be producing something, some of these in our life. Now notice he said, he didn't say fruits of the Spirit. He said fruit. It's one fruit. And in nine areas it grows in our life. We should be allowing the Holy Spirit to produce this kind in our life. Love, joy. There's that joy. He didn't say happiness, again, because happiness, you can get happiness. We can get happiness from, you know, all these other things we've been talking about. But he's talking about joy. That's only produced by the Holy Spirit. I love that. And if not, go right on. We're moving right along. If not, if, okay, I was reading this. It's what if people aren't seeing the fruit of the Spirit like that? What if it's not happening? Well, I love it. Well, maybe this is you in the last half of verse 3. It says this, that they may be called trees of righteousness, 
the planting of the Lord, that he, he may be glorified. Second point, stay planted. Stay planted. I love this because he's saying, you want the joy of the Lord? You want me to anoint you with the oil of gladness? Then you need to stay planted. He says, you need to be planted like a tree. You need to be, you need to be planted in there. Notice David didn't run out of the valley of the shadow of death. He stayed in the valley of the shadow of death because he knew God was with him. And he said, God, you're, I know you're with me. I'm going to stay here for as long as you, you got me here. But, but I know I'm going to make it through there. You got to, we got to stay planted. Those that are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our Lord, the scripture says. It's being planted. I talk to some people and they go, well, Pastor Eddie, I just don't have the fruit of the spirit like that. I just don't have that problem. I, I mean, I don't have that uh, fruit that's overcoming my problems. I got all these going on. And I say, well, how long have you been serving the Lord? Oh, 30 days. How long have you been, you've been trying? Three months. Maybe a year. Let me tell you something about a seed. You can put a seed in the ground, but that seed is not, if you keep pulling that seed up and checking it, what's going to happen? Well, I'm seeing if it's going to, you're going to kill it. And that's our problem. A lot of times we, we keep wanting to just uproot ourselves and, and we come over here and we go over there and, and one minute we're serving God, one minute we're in church, one minute we're doing our devotions, we're living for God, then the next minute we're not, we're going over here. And, and God is saying, listen, I want to anoint you with oil, but you're running all over the place. <laughs> you know, I'm wanting to anoint you with this oil. I want to give you the, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I want to give you this, but you're running here and you're running there. Maybe not physically, but spiritually in your attention and your priorities and your affections and your love. You're all over the place and, and you're hindering the work that I want to do in your life. We got to stay planted. Got to stay planted. Got to stay planted. Tell your neighbor, you got to stay planted. Tell your other neighbor, say, you got to stay here. Come on, put that in the chat today. You That's at home. Got to stay planted. You got to stay planted. You got to stay planted. Way back when the joy of the Lord last week, we used it in John 15. That whole chapter... Jesus talks about abiding in me and I will abide in you. It's, it's about this remain, this, this ideal of remaining in me, remaining in me, staying put, staying in me. It may take a couple of years. Everybody in the Bible waited for years. I'm just reading through Abraham right now. 15 years, 20 years he waited for the promise. That's a long time. But we got to learn to be faithful and we have, we have the, when you talk about a seed, the only seed that, that pops quick is popcorn in the microwave. And a lot of us have a microwave mentality when God has a marinate system. We want that joy right now. We want this to happen right now. We want to have it. And God said, no, no, no. I want, I want to not put you in the microwave. I want to, I want to marinate you for a while because I got to prepare you for what I'm going to give you. I'm going to preach over here. I think you're more anointed. I, I got I to gotta let you wait a while because if I just give you your blessing, you'll be gone in six days, six weeks, whatever. You'll be gone. I know people that have prayed before God, has fasted, have been at church every service, even here for growth track, and they've been a member for four years, but they want to come again when they go through a hard season. I've watched this. I've watched this with my own eyes. And I'd be so encouraged because they're leaning into God. And they got a, they got a huge problem. And problems, I believe, God allows to push us toward Him. That's how I got saved. So I'm not hating on none of you because I would not be here today if I didn't hit rock bottom. But here's the problem. Once we get things better, we're like, thank you, God. Peace out. 
Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Man, we do that. That's human nature. And Jesus is saying, man, if you really want to see the... You're just hurting ourselves when we do that. When you really want to see what I want to do in your life, stay planted. Stay planted. Even when you don't see nothing. You keep walking by that field and nothing's come out of that ground yet. You just keep, keep, keep it in the ground. Don't go digging it up. Don't go digging it up. You're waiting on your kids to get saved. You're waiting on this promise to be fulfilled. And you're, going, you're seeing on Facebook that they are doing the very opposite of what you're praying. Don't dig it up. Don't dig it up. Don't dig it up. This is for somebody today. Don't dig it up. Leave it in the ground. Leave it in the hands of ground. You may water it and you begin to pray over it again. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray over it again. Because like Roger said, some things happen instantly. And other times, Jesus had to pray twice for a man. Laman had to go down seven times in the water. Some people are healed. The leper was healed as he walked away from Christ. Some are healed like that. Others, it's a process. It's a process. And we go, well, Pastor Ed, I don't, I don't like the idea of being buried. And I don't want to be buried, uh, you know, with Christ. So if you're a seed, you're not buried, you're planted. There's a huge difference. And you got to give the seed a little while, but the seed has to go in the ground. If I put seed on this platform, it'll stay there. Because the stage isn't the process. The process is the dirt. The process is the ground. The process is when nothing is happening. When you don't see God. When you feel like God has forgotten you. That's what a seed feels like. Jesus said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears forth no fruit. Man, there's a lot in what I'm telling you right here. And a lot of times we, we abort God's plan in our lives because we're not willing to stay planted. I don't know who this is for. But the stage never develops the seed. That seed will be there, there two years from now. If we come back and I put it all over. It has to go into the ground. And the seed has to die in the ground alone. But it's not buried. It's planted. And God says, if you do that, I will anoint you with the oil of gladness. I will give you that oil of gladness that will help you make it through. That's why a seed is rejoicing. Although everyone else is saying, man, it's buried. No, it ain't. It's planted. And that seed, if that seed could talk, say, don't be sad for me. And I would say the greater the crop, the longer the wait. Yeah. Cabbage comes up like that, right? Those of you farmers, I try to farm in the city. It does not work. <laughs> I had everything but a crop in my yard. I mean, I had a possum. I was like, where'd you come from? He's like hissing at me. Ugliest thing. But a cabbage, anybody can grow cabbage. Cabbage comes up like that. Just give it a bunch of water. But an oak tree... A tree in Isaiah 61, it's going to take a minute. And if you feel like you're planted in the ground for a long time, it could be because God has a great plan for you. Stay planted. Stay, you know how long my mom and dad had to pray over this seed being planted in the ground? You know, I love it because I go to these, these coffees with these pastors and stuff, and they go, man, and they talk about, you know, they're, they're struggling and things, and they go, man, but you're doing great. I heard River of Life is doing, you know. And in the beginning, it was like, yeah, and I just, I go right on with them. Like, you know, yeah, we got, we got our struggles. We got our battles because you, you never know what the person next to you is going through, even though they're smiling right now. First of all, number one. And a lot of times, you know, someone said, well, Pastor Eddie, you wear the armor well. Yeah, well, we still take dings. <laughs> and at first I was like, well, thank you. But then I got kind of tired of hearing it because it was always like, 
you know, we're this special church that uh, just sprang up in the neighborhood. And I love to tell them that, yeah, we were, it took 17 years before we got this building. And it quiets them right down. You can't just pop into a church every two years and jump over here and be, you know, and a pastor leaves this church. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get nobody mean, but I'm just saying it's the same. We preach it, so we need to live it. You, you need to stay planted to where God has you. It's going to take some time. 17 years. You know how long I preached to empty chairs as a youth pastor? Four kids in the youth house. Right, Amber? Good to have you back, Amber. Another random shout out during my preaching. I gave your husband one last week. This girl and Alyssa. And them were in our little youth house out there in the barn and preaching to empty seats. And I would set up 20 chairs and I was blessed if I had four. And we're swatting flies and critters running through the ductwork in the roof. Remember that? And girls running out. And I'm like, man, went through that. Went through that, Kavar, preparing my message, praying. Oh, this is going to save them. I'm working uh, for all these crazy hours, getting up at 3.30 in the morning. My only day off was Wednesday, and that's church uh, night. I had to minister. And for, for 11 years, I did that. For 11 years, I did that. Not 11 weeks, not 11 months. And I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm leading right now. Telling you that that's how we got to do sometimes in the kingdom of God. You know what God was doing? Now I look back, he was knocking a lot of things off me that I could not handle a church like this back 15 years ago. Been pastoring for eight, I know, but we've been here since 2002. It takes time. And a lot of times if God don't do nothing, we're ready to go on. What's next, God? What's next? Okay. What's going? No, no, no. What's next is you staying right here. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, stay planted, stay planted, stay planted. This good stuff, this good stuff. I need to hear that. Amen. Stay planted. And the last thing, we're going to look at the last verse, and then we're going to close with this. The last, the other verse that says this. Here's the point. Two words. Love righteousness. This is how you get the oil of gladness. Some of you got a little bit of oil. You need a lot more oil in your life. You need more of the Holy Spirit. How do you get more of the Holy Spirit? Less of you. Stay planted. Stay planted. That's really for somebody here today. Somebody needs to hear a word. You want to make me really Pentecostal? Okay. Thus saith the Lord. He says, stay planted. If it helps you receive it better that way. That's a lifelong word right there. That'll change your life forever. If we just learn that. Thirdly, love righteousness. Psalms. Where do you get that from, Pastor Eddie? Psalms, the other scripture of oil of gladness. He says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, therefore, God, your God, because I know I'm your God because you love righteousness and hate wickedness. So I know I'm your God and you're my person. I will anoint you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So not everybody is going to have the same level of oil. Reminds me of a parable Jesus taught again in the last days. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I wonder what the ten virgins, how that is, comes right into play. Here we go again. It's like an end time series, whether we, you know, look at it like that or not. That oil shows up again in the end times where five will be foolish and go to sleep with no oil. The other five, they fell asleep too, but they had oil. How do you get more oil? Love righteousness, hate wickedness. Love righteousness, hate wickedness. Love righteousness, hate wickedness. You get tired of seeing wickedness on TV. Don't, don't you hate it? 
and you know, a lot of times, here's the thing, a lot of Christians, I don't think they hate it enough. They, they, they tolerate it. And what you tolerate one year, you will accept the next year. That's just the way human nature works. And I'm not saying you got to hate a wicked person. Don't say hate the wicked, hate the wickedness. This is the paradox God is in. For we were all wicked and we are all wicked before God. But yet God loved us so much he gave his only begotten son. You see that? Amen? Love righteousness. Love righteousness. Sin is the enemy of joy. Sin is the enemy of joy. You know what will kill your joy? Sin. Let's flip it around. Righteousness will kill evil joy. I was thinking about this. You ever hear someone say, man, you're a buzzkill. Sin can bring you happiness. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a... But it says it's pleasurable. Absolutely. It is pleasurable. But it's only for a season. You know what would kill that kind of evil joy when you're sinning and you got joy? If Pastor Eddie comes walking up in your party. The last person you want to see in the parking lot when you're down in them 40s and rolling those blunts is when Pastor Eddie comes. I watch him. I've, I've had that happen. It should be, by the, by the way, the same reaction that you have when you walk into those places. And I've never condemned nobody. I've been in crack houses. I've walked right up in the crack houses and gotten my friends. And some of them knew who I was when I walked in. And one of them even said, I'll never forget, oh, Eddie's here. Uh, you know, and he was smoking a joint. He goes, hey, can I offer you some Kool-Aid, Eddie? You know, this guy really was thought he was funny. And I was like, no, I'm driving today. You know, and he starts laughing. And I sat down at his table and I said, you know, you notice this. And he's an older guy. I said, notice you'll never meet an old, happy sinner. Because sin doesn't age well. And I said, I know you're, you're enjoying everything that's going on and, and everything like that, but you're getting older and it's starting to get old, isn't it? Are you tired of it? This was after we talked and I began to, he, he, he'd done away with his one-liners and all of his jokes and I just took him and smiled and laughed and loved on him. And then I began to tell him, what you need is what I got and why I turned from this because it was fun for a while, but again, it began to steal from me. And I turned and I, I came to the Lord. I surrendered my life to Jesus, man. And he, he's given me so much joy. I have no hangovers. I have no regrets. And he's given me this joy. You can have the same thing. And just begin to watch the whole atmosphere begin to shift. But sin will kill that. Sin will kill and rob you and me of the joy of the Lord. A church can be doing good and be healthy and be growing and be doing great. And then sin get in there and ruin everything. How many know what I'm talking about? That's why we make sure we guard the pulpit. That's why we, we guard, we do what we take it seriously. Every time we preach and we sing and we worship, you'll notice our leaders, when they'll, they'll say this in little one-on-ones and in conversations, how we, we take it so seriously here when we preach and when we minister because we realize what we have here and we guard it. But sin will ruin that. It's like the Garden of Eden. So we can't leave. But I want you to see God's perspective. And then I'm going to close, I promise. This is, this is God's perspective on sin. I want to go this way with it. We know sin is bad. If you're sinning, stop it. Right? Stop it. Jesus died for it. Quit it. It's not going to bring you happiness. Okay? But I want you to see God's perspective. I always like to ask why when I see scripture. Not just read it. I want to know the heart behind the scripture. Right? And this is God's perspective. And in Isaiah, again, a few chapters earlier, he says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden your face from me. 
God says, this is why I hate sin. This is why I hate it, because it separates you from me. It separates you from me. It separates you from what I want to give you. It separates you from me giving you the garment of praise. I can't give you the garment of praise, man. You found something else that you like better and it's taking you away from me. That's why I hate it. I hate it. it it's, it's creating space between us. I like us to be close. I, li- I like you to, to think about me more than just on Sundays. I like you to, to think about me throughout the day and invite me in your day. Invite me in your conversation and pretend I'm a part of your life more. Invite me and talk to me. Acknowledge me there. Sense my presence there. I'll help you raise your children. I'll help you do your finances. I'll help you in your marriage. I'll help you with your job. I'll help you with your sorrows. I'll help you with your joy and your Rejoice it. I just want to be more closer to you. But I hate this thing that's separating us. It's sin. We learn to love righteousness. And we can learn to do it because it's funny. When you serve God, he'll cause you to love what you used to hate and hate what you used to love. That's when you really start seeing someone getting serious for God. It's when they start making changes with their friends. That's when you're like, okay, this person's for real. Right? When you're dating somebody, you know that they're really going from just talking to Facebook official. Is when they don't have their girlfriend no more. Or that boyfriend no more in their pictures. Right? I mean, if you guys are dating and all of a sudden he's posting pictures of his ex-girlfriend, you're going to be like, what's up? Same way spiritually. When we start really breaking up with the world and getting the sin of our life and saying, God, this is, this is coming between me and you and I, I want to get rid of it today. God says, okay, I got something for you. In fact, I got a couple things for you. Number one, you're knee deep into ashes. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. Where's Alyssa? Is Alyssa here this morning? This girl knows all about being knee deep into ashes. God has given her beauty. I love seeing her walk around here smiling and what God has done for her. I'll give you beauty for ashes. How many of you have been had some ashes and God has made some beauty? Has turned us. Amen. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And then he says, I also can give you a garment of praise. A garment of praise. You feel heavy today? Do you feel heavy during the holidays? I mean, you want to be happy and you're like this, but you're like that. You got this heaviness that no matter where you go, no matter what movie you watch, no matter what food you eat, no matter who you hang around with, that heaviness is still there. Well, I got a garment for you today. I got a garment for you today. Put on the garment of heavy, of the spirit of gladness. Put on of rejoicing of praising hallelujah <laughs> come on let's stand let's stand and i'm gonna give you the oil of gladness i'm gonna give you the oil of gladness the last scripture i promise this time man i just keep saying that once you see david had sin in his life sin got in king david's life again another scripture that you might have read psalm 51 one of my favorite chapters look what he says listen to this holy spirit David says, Holy, do not take your presence from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. God, I don't feel like telling nobody about you. I, I don't, because I'm not happy about you right now anyway. Because I had a, a sin problem. That's why. But when he got the sin problem out of his life, when he repented, now listen to what he says. Okay, I got rid of that. I repented. Restore to me the joy. The joy. Isn't it funny how he said joy? Restore to me the joy of serving you again, God. I lost it. 
I'm going to stay planted this time. Don't take the Holy Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit's the one that produces it in my life. And you know what, God? I need the Holy Spirit. Don't take your spirit from me. You can take my kingdom. You can take all the money I have. Take my car. Take everything. Take my bank account. Take everything. But God, don't take from me your Holy Spirit. That's a person that loves righteousness right there. And restore to me the joy of my salvation. And then, man, I'm, I'm going to tell people about you. I'm going to tell people about you. If you're here today and you need that oil of gladness in your life today, come on, just bow your heads right now. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to turn it up a little bit more right now. Focus into what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Focus in on what I'm saying right now, Holy Spirit. We're going to sing this song. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to anoint you today. I'm going to pray over you that you would receive the oil of gladness. How many, how many can use a little bit more of the oil of gladness today? Who am I preaching to today that said, that's for me today, Pastor Eddie? Amen, amen, amen. If that's you, can you just do me a favor lift your hands like this? Even those, those of you that are at home, which camera? Give me that camera. Those of you that are at home, can you do like this? That, that means a posture of surrender. Like somebody puts a gun on your back. That's what that means. That's a posture of worship. That's a posture of surrender. And we're going to pray this song. And this song is asking God to give me the oil of your spirit. Come on, let him anoint you with gladness today. Are you knee deep in the ashes? He's going to give you beauty for those ashes. Come on. He's going to give you beauty for those ashes. He's going to give you a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. Oh, does that feel so good when that happens? Yes, hallelujah. And the oil of gladness for your morning. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit just move upon you right there in your seat. If you want to step out and get more room, you can. You can. Go ahead. You want to come to the front, you can. But I want you to receive this right now. Jesus. Just ask Him right now like David did. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord. Jesus, come on. I've been waiting for so long. Jesus. To feel the breath of heaven. Hallelujah, come on. Well, amen and amen. Pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen